0: of the gospel accounts. Uh, John usually doesn't tell us about the Galilean ministry, but all four of these have this miracle. So I'm going to share mainly from John's account. Uh, You can follow with me in your Bible in John chapter 6. I'll be sharing details, though, from the other Gospels. So if you hear me share something that you don't see in John, I'm drawing from the other three Gospels uh, to tell this story as well. There are a lot of verses today, so we won't have them on the screen as I usually do until we get to the end of the sermon. Instead, what I want to show you on the screen is a map to give you a little bit of a a geographical kind of location sense for what we're, we're sharing here today. So Jesus was teaching and healing on the west side of the Sea of Galilee. This is that uh, freshwater lake where his ministry was focused. And you see here uh, Capernaum. And uh, this is where Jesus' ministry uh, headquarters were. And so there were so many people who were coming to Jesus, uh, who were with him, that he couldn't even eat And so he and his disciples took them to cross the lake to go from west to east to a less populated region over here, uh, maybe five or six miles across the lake, uh, where they could be by themselves and rest. But the great crowds who were with him saw the direction he was sailing and so they go on foot around the north edge of the lake crossing the Jordan at the fords up here and coming down around and so they run on foot while Jesus is sailing to get there. And Jesus and his disciples have been there only for a little while and here he sees this great multitude of crowds coming. He's come there to rest. He's come there to pray. But here they come. But Jesus, rather than being annoyed by them, it says Jesus had compassion on them. He saw them with they're sick. He saw them eager to hear. You know, Jesus is a God of compassion. He cares about you. Whatever you're going through today, he is like that when he looks out and sees you. He's full of compassion for people who are hurting. And so Jesus, in his compassion, Healed their sick, taught them, spent another day there on the east shore ministering to people. It got late in the afternoon, and the disciples said to Jesus, uh, "We better send these crowds away. It's a long way from uh, from any town. The closest closest one is Bethsaida. They got to get something to eat." Jesus said, "You feed them, Philip." One of the disciples, he's sort of the accountant of the bunch, sort of the calculating math guy of the bunch. He says it would take uh, 200 denarii, it would take six to eight months' wages just to give everybody a bite. These were massive crowds. It says that there were 5,000 men, not counting the women and children, and so conservatively. Ten to 15,000 people had gathered out there in the middle of nowhere to hear him. Probably more than that. That's a real conservative estimate. And uh, 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 Philip said, there's no way we could feed them. Jesus said, well, what do you have? And Andrew uh, brings a, ch- a young man with a, a little bit of food to Jesus. Uh, five loaves and two fishes, but don't think of the loaves like a loaf of bread. We would say like five biscuits or five pieces of pita bread, and then two small fish that were maybe um, pickled fish, dried fish, salted fish. Uh, when Cindy and I were in Galilee, stayed on the on the. Uh, in Tiberius, we had pickled fish for breakfast every morning, pickled fish and duck eggs. Cindy didn't like that too much, but so they that that pickled fish, and so probably something like that is what it had. The stained glass windows in our worship center tell the story of the life of Jesus, and so the middle one, on this side, tells the story that I'm telling about today. If you look closely, you can see the five round loaves and the two bottom panels and the the two blue fish. And then above that, you can see the, the heads of the crowd, the heads of the people. And so the Bible tells us, John says, it was Passover time. That means it was the spring of the year and there was a lot of grass there. And Jesus said, have all the people sit down in the grass. By the way, this reference to Passover is how we know about how long Jesus' ministry was. Have you ever heard, you Bible teachers, ever heard that Jesus' ministry lasted about three years? He was 30 when he began his ministry, about three years of ministry. How do we know that? The Bible never tells us that his ministry lasted three years. The way we know it was about three years is by counting the Passovers referenced in the Gospel of John. mentioned a Passover in John 2 near the beginning of his ministry here in John 6 at the middle of his ministry and then of course he dies at Passover time, John 12 and following at the end of his ministry so by counting those Passovers this feast that came once a year we know that the ministry of Jesus lasted about two and a half, maybe three years so this is about the middle of Jesus' ministry it's Passover time. Passover was the time they celebrated the Exodus and the Exodus was the time that God made bread for Down from heaven, so there's some connection in what Jesus is doing here. Jesus tells all of these ten to fifteen thousand people to sit down in the grass. He has the disciples divide them up into groups of hundreds, and he takes that lunch or that little meal that you know this little boy had brought, uh, two piece fish dinner with four hush puppies from Captain D's, you know, something like that, and Jesus prays over it and gives thanks. It's a good thing to give thanks when you eat. It just reminds us that this comes from God. And he gives thanks. And then he starts distributing it to the 12 disciples to give to these groups. Wouldn't you have liked to be a fly on a rock and watch that? As the the disciples have to be so skeptical as he begins this. What is he doing? He's had all these people sitting down. He's got... Five little biscuits and 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 two pieces of fish, and he's praying over this, and now he's starting to break this pita bread up and and give some to each of his twelve disciples and they're thinking, What in the world are we doing and then there it turns to amazement as they just keep handing out food to people, and the Bible says that all of these 5,000 men plus women and children were satisfied. They ate all that they want. And then after it was over, Jesus told them to pick up any leftovers. And each disciple had a basket. And they picked up 12 basketfuls of leftovers. And Jesus is showing us here that he is the great provider. That he gives us what we need. He can provide for us. And Jesus has fed a multitude with just a little bit of food. The people, when they see what has happened, they want to make him king by force. They want a leader who provides unlimited food. And Jesus is not yet ready uh, to come to the end of his ministry and does not want to be a king by force. And so he dismisses the crowd and he sends his disciples back across the lake Back now from east to west toward Capernaum, Jesus stays, uh, goes up into the hills on this side of the lake to pray, but puts the disciples in a boat, sending them back across toward Capernaum. It's evening time when they leave. It's night when they're rowing. The wind comes up. They are not making progress. They are in danger. They have rowed three to four miles, the Bible says. And Jesus sees them up there in the hills above the lake. He looks out and he sees them. And Jesus comes to them. And the Bible tells us that he walks on the water, he crosses the sea on foot. And he comes near their boat and they say, It's a ghost! They don't know how to process this. They think a ghost has appeared. And Jesus speaks to them and says, it is I. Do not be afraid. And Peter, when he realizes it's Jesus, says, Lord, let me come to you. Let me do that. And Jesus says, come on. And Peter steps out of the boat and begins to walk on water to Jesus. But his fear overcomes him as he sees the ways. And he begins to sink. And he cries out to the Lord. And Jesus reaches out and takes hold of Peter and lifts him up. And the two of them climb into the boat. And as soon as they climb into the boat, the wind has stilled. Jesus is in control of his creation, the one who spoke the worlds into creation, is Lord of his creation. And whenever you're fearful and afraid, you remember that there is one who is in control of our world. Well, they get back to the western shore, to Capernaum. It's morning by then. And the people who have been left on this eastern shore... um, some of them make their way on foot around, uh, others of them get passage on boats that have come from by Tiberius, and they go back across the lake, and they find Jesus there, and they don't expect to see Jesus there. He was up in the hills praying last they saw, and they say, "How did you get here?" And I want to pick up reading in John chapter six, verse 26, when Jesus answers them. Jesus answered, Verily I tell you, you're looking for me, not because you saw the signs I performed, but because you ate the loaves and had your fill. Jesus said, You just want me for the food that I gave. You see, they had sort of a vending machine view of God, that God was like a great vending machine. Do you ever think of God only for what he can do? You only go to God in time of trouble? You only talk to him when you need something? You only want him for the blessings that he can provide? God, I need you. I've got in trouble. And that's just a vending machine view of God. They wanted Him for what He could do. But do you see what this verse says? Not because you saw the signs I performed. Remember in John, the miracles are always called signs because they're pointing to something. They're pointing to the identity of Jesus and who He is and what He can be in your life. And Jesus wanted them to see these loaves as signs pointing to Him. The blessings that God gives you are meant to point you to a relationship with Him. Has God been good to you? You have a job? been blessed with a family. You have food that you eat. Do you understand that any of the provision of God is to point you to him? But if you're only in it for what God can do for you and can help you, you have that vending machine view of God, you're missing the sign. Any miracle he's ever done, any prayer he's ever answered in your life is to be a sign to point you to him, that you would trust him, that you'd come into a relationship with him. So Jesus says in verse 27, do not work for food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you on him. God the Father has placed his seal of approval. Jesus said, you're you're, you're too small-sided. You're working for things. You're, You're desiring this bread, and that's good, but there's more to life than that. And, you know, maybe you're in that position where your life is focused on your work and making money, or your life is focused on pleasure and entertainment, or your life is focused on sex, or your life is focused on something else. And what Jesus would say to you, you're spinning your wheels, and you're working for things that will not satisfy you. In all your entertainment, it will never fill you. In all of your work and career, it will never fill you. Work for food that endures. There's something more in life than the pursuit of these things, he's saying. So they say in verse 28, they said, Well, what, work, what must we do to do the work God requires? And Jesus answered in verse 29, The work of God is this, believe in the one he has sent. The work that God calls you to do is to put your faith in Jesus Christ. And when you come into a trust relationship with Jesus, then he can satisfy you, he can fill you, he's the food that endures. So they said to him in verse 30, Well, what sign then will you give that we may see it and believe? What will you do? Our ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness. As it's written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. Really? They're still asking for a sign? He's just fed... 10,000 people with one lunch and they want a sign. You see, if you're if your faith is only built on miracles, you'll always want another miracle. Jesus said, at some point, you've got to trust me that, that what I have done is sufficient for you. And really what they're wanting, it seems like here, they think by him providing this meal, maybe this is the start, it's Passover time. Maybe he's the Messiah who's going to just rain bread down from heaven every day. And they're going to have bread. And they say, will not you give us that sign? Like Moses made bread just fall from heaven when they were in the desert on the Exodus, why don't you make bread fall down from heaven every day and we don't have to work, and that'll be the sign that we ought to believe in you. And here's what Jesus said in verse 35. Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. Here's the first of seven great I am sayings in the Gospel of John. Jesus said, I'm what you need. It's not just what you could get from me. I'm what you need. And whoever comes to me will never go hungry. And whoever believes in me, will never be thirsty. The great need in your life, the great craving in your life is fulfilled only by Jesus. He is the bread of life. He's the, the one who will sustain you and fill you and satisfy you. And it's in a personal relationship with Jesus that you find your deepest cravings and desires satisfied. He is the bread of life. And whoever comes to him will never go hungry. And whoever believes in him will never be thirsty. This is a time as we share in the Lord's Supper for us to renew a faith relationship with Jesus Christ. As we eat a piece of bread, it reminds us that we have received Jesus into our life. Just as we're receiving bread into our mouths, we have believed he is the bread of life, we've trusted him, and he's in us now. And we're going to depend upon him in scary situations in our lives. We're going to depend upon him day by day. He sustains us. He fills us. This is a time to renew that relationship, that trust relationship with him. And find your satisfaction in him. Read to you just a few more verses from this passage. Later down in verse 53, Jesus said to them, Very truly I tell you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise them up at the last day. For my flesh is real food and my blood is real drink. What was Jesus saying here? He was saying, you need to receive me into your life. That's what we call, what it means to become a Christian, to trust Jesus, to believe in Jesus, or to receive him. And just as you would put food or drink into your mouth, when you accept him, when you receive him, he comes into your life, and he's there with you, and he sustains you. He's real food, real drink. As we eat the bread that represents his body, drink the cup that represents his blood, we're thanking him for his past sacrifice on the cross. We are also declaring, we realize, Jesus, that you're our life. You sustain and satisfy us, and we're renewing that trust relationship with you. We're so grateful you're in our lives. In the situations we're dealing with now, we trust them to you. You are our sustenance. We're going to pray together. As we pray, I'm going to invite our deacons who are going to serve the Lord's Supper to come and and join me here at the front. If you're a guest with us today, I want to invite you to the Lord's table. If you're a baptized believer in Christ, you you may wonder, should I share? And you're welcome to share in this uh, Lord's table together with us. And uh, so our custom is we're going to pass around the bread, and then you just hold it until everybody's served and uh, then we'll eat it together, and the same with the cup. Let's pray together. Would you join me? Oh, Lord Jesus, we affirm, we confess you're the bread of life. And now, Lord, we, as we share in this Lord's Supper, we come, those of us already Christians, already believers in you, we come to to draw close to you again. So we want to confess our sins. If there's anything that we're doing, saying, thinking, habits in our lives that are wrong, we confess them. If there's anything that we're omitting from what you've told us in your word to do in our religious devotion, in our church attendance, in our holiness and purity, in our righteousness and integrity, in our relationships, if there's wrongs that need to be righted, we want to confess our sin right now. We we just want to draw close to you that you might draw close to us. And Lord, we want to recommit ourselves to you, that you are our strength, you're our life. Maybe some folks are sort of weak now, and I pray as they take this Lord's Supper, they will experience your strengthening, enriching, enlivening, sustaining power. We love you, Lord. Thank you for dying for us. Thank you that you still today are our strength and our help. We commit ourselves to you afresh. In your name, Lord Jesus. Amen. Thank you.